Okay, our New Testament lesson for this first Sunday in the season of Lent comes from Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 13. Romans 10, 8 through 13. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. And then our gospel lesson and sermon text today comes from Luke's gospel chapter 4. Verses 1 through 13. And let me just remind you, this is God's word to us, and it's given to us because he loves us. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these, this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for him from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the gospel of our Lord. All right, I'm going to have to call out a timeout, just a second, sorry, while I adjust this thing. This morning, I told Sheepshead Bay they couldn't hold anything against me, um, anything I might have said during the service, because I was on narcotics for the pain. And uh, I decided not to take the narcotics this afternoon so I wouldn't be so fuzzy like I was this morning, and now I'm regretting that decision. I wish I was fuzzy right now. Lent is a time that even if you didn't grow up in a tradition that uh, practiced Lent as a religious observance, you probably still at least knew a little bit about it because you heard about people giving things up for Lent, right? You give up chocolate, you give up alcohol, you give up... Uh, TV, you know, whatever it is, you give something up for Lent. Uh, Because Lent is a preparation, a time of preparation for Easter. And the relationship, uh, part of the traditional relationship of Lent to the life of Jesus, which is what the church calendar is all about, uh, comes from our passage today. The 40 days of Lent that we celebrate Lent, which started this past week on Ash Wednesday and will last up to uh, the day before Easter Sunday, uh, is based on these 40 days 
that Jesus spent out in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Now, I, wanted, I said this already, but I want us to think about Lent less as a time of penance or penitence or self-reflection and more of a time of preparation. Because Lent, as it precedes Easter, it's preceding what is the central feast of the Christian faith. Easter is the party. The resurrection of Jesus is the central event, the defining event, not just in our history as Christians, but really in the history of the world. And we should celebrate that event like nothing else. You might have heard me say before that we really celebrate Christmas uh, way more than we celebrate Easter, and it should actually be in reverse. But at any rate, as with any good party, you need to prepare, right? If you're going to throw a real good party, you've got to take time to plan. You've got to think about how might we celebrate and how might we prepare for this feast. And so that's what we're doing in the season of Lent. And we're going to use these lectionary passages that have historically been used in Lent to see Jesus. And of course, we hope that every sermon and reading of Scripture is to see Jesus, but by seeing Jesus, we want to become like Jesus in our Lenten preparation for the Feast of Easter. Alexander Schmemann, the theologian, talks about celebrating Lent this way. He says, the purpose of Lent is not to force on us a few formal obligations, but to soften our hearts so that it may open itself to the realities of the Spirit to experience the hidden thirst and hunger for communion with God. Bright sadness is the true message and gift of Lent. The sadness of my exile, of the waste I have made of my life, but the brightness of God's presence and forgiveness, the joy of the recovered desire for God, the peace of the recovered home. Lent is a spiritual journey, and its destination is Easter, the Feast of Feasts. Lent helps us recover the vision and taste of that new life which we so easily lose and betray that we may repent and return to it. And so we begin these 40 days of Lent with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. This is the first thing Jesus experiences after the official launch of his public ministry, 40 days of being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Now, just prior to this event, you will remember that Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist, and he is declared by God to be, to be the beloved son in whom he is well pleased. And if you know that story, you know how the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in this sort of physical form for everybody to see, and then it says that the Holy Spirit then immediately leads Jesus out into the desert to be tempted. Well, that stinks. I mean, it was going so well, just like five minutes ago. We had this big thing, this baptism, and all this great stuff's going on, and then Jesus has got to immediately go out into the wilderness for 40 days and be tempted by Satan. Why must that be so? Why must that happen? Well, let's try to answer that question. And let's start with answering that question with looking at the reality of temptation in our lives. The reality of temptation in our lives. And we want to establish right away that Jesus' temptations are just like our temptations. That Jesus' temptation was real temptation, just the same as what you and I experience. Because you see our temptation, when we read this story in a passage like this, is that we imagine that Jesus faced his struggles like a superhero, right? 
He's Jesus. He's all-powerful. So we imagine he's out there in the wilderness facing the supervillain Satan with his cape billowing in the air behind him. And it was no big deal for Jesus to face down 40 days of uh, temptation by Satan in the wilderness. It's just like, you know, he could do it with one hand tied behind his back, light work, no big deal, right? That's what we tend to think of sometimes when we think about Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. But I mean, let's be honest. It was 40 days. He hasn't eaten. It's Satan himself. And he was all alone. It was a big deal. But just in case that's still not, still not enough to convince us that Jesus' temptations were very real and the same as ours, let me remind you of our time in the book of Hebrews this past fall and read for you again some of the things that the writer of Hebrews said about Jesus' trials and temptations. Like what he says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Or again in verse 14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And then in chapter 4, 14, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus' temptations are our temptations. And Jesus suffered in his temptations the same as we suffer. His temptations hurt. It was strenuous. It was exhausting. If you read Matthew's account of this 40 days in the wilderness, you know that after Satan leaves him, the angels come and minister to Jesus, just like if Jesus was a heavyweight fighter who goes all 12 rounds in just a brutal knockdown, drag-out fight and has paid the price with his entire self. So that's the reality of temptation. But what is the nature of Jesus' temptations? What is the nature of our temptations? Well, I would say at the fundamental level, if you could boil it down and give a very simple answer to what is the nature of our temptation, it's simply believing that what God has said is not true. That at a fundamental level, the nature of our temptation is simply believing that what God has said is not true. Think about the first temptation, Adam and Eve in the garden, right? God gives Adam and Eve instructions. Satan comes along, finds Eve in the garden, starts talking to him. You know, what did God say? Well, God said, we can eat of all these trees except for that one tree. We're not allowed to eat of that one tree. Did God really say that? Is that really what he said? Is that really what he meant? when he told you to do that? And think about this situation. Jesus himself has also just heard something from the Father. He has just heard God declare that he is the beloved Son in whom he is well pleased. And then he goes out and has to be in the wilderness by himself for 40 days. Now, I want you to imagine the things that would start going through your head if you had to be out in the wilderness all by yourself for 40 days. And the minutes turned into hours, and the hours turned into days, and the days turned into weeks, and you're hangry on top of it all at the same time. And this is exactly where Satan seeks to exploit. That's what he goes for. 
Did God really say you are the beloved? Are you sure that he's pleased with you? Because look at you. If you're really the beloved of God, why would he leave you out here in this wilderness? If he was really pleased with you, wouldn't he give you something to eat and take care of you? If you really are his son, why are you stuck out here? You should be ruling this world, not suffering in it. Which is all to say, you cannot trust God's word to be true. You cannot trust God's promises to be true. God is, in fact, holding out on you. You have to reach out and take it for yourself. It's within your grasp. Just take it. Turn these stones into bread. Take control of this situation. Bend it to your will. Show everyone that you have the power. Just take of this fruit and eat. This is the nature of temptation. We do not trust God's promises. We do not trust his word that says that we are beloved sons and daughters of God in whom he is well pleased. We do not trust that God knows the thoughts that he has for us. Thoughts to give us prosperity and a future, to give us hope. We do not trust that whatever may come our way, there's nothing that Jesus himself has not walked through. We do not trust that it will be good even if right now it is meant for evil. This is the nature of our temptation. It's simply to not trust that God's word is true. Well, if this is the reality of temptation and the nature of temptation, it still begs the question, why? What is the reason for temptation? And I think it's answered for us here at the end of what we read. Actually, I'm not sure if I read it, but if you go and you look at verse 14, in our passage today, it says that after he has been tempted and the devil leads him, it says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. You see, the story began with Jesus being led by the Spirit, into the wilderness. But it ends with him coming out of the wilderness in the power of God's Spirit. You see, it is through his suffering in the wilderness. It is through being stripped down to his core where he has nothing to rely on other than to trust in who God says he is and who God says he is as the Son that Jesus is made ready for what is to come. It is through this suffering and this temptation in the wilderness that he is prepared for what's next. And what is next? More hard stuff. It's right after this passage that Jesus goes back to his hometown and is rejected and they try to throw him off a cliff, if you recall that story from a few weeks ago. You see, we may very well be in a desert wilderness. That's okay. Because it's often in the wilderness that Jesus shows up, that God shows up and does his best work in our lives. You see, the reason for temptation is to refine us, to refine our hearts of all those emotional programs for happiness that we say that we have to reach out and take and snatch and secure for ourselves safety and security and affections and esteem and power and control, all these programs and narratives that we say we got to have right now. We can't wait for it. I must reach out and take it. 
but ultimately aren't serving us, we are serving them. The reason for our temptation is to refine our hearts to hunger for the bread that can actually satisfy our hunger for life. The reason for temptation is to refine our hearts to let go and to stop having to grasp for what is in reality beyond our control anyway. I can not only let go of chocolate for 40 days, I can let go of anything because Christ is my life. The reason for our temptation, you see, is to set us free. To set us free in the power of the Spirit to go and be able to minister to others just as Christ left the refining wilderness of temptation to minister to us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, let's respond to God's Word by confessing our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed.